When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Saturday Story Circle, always on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. Chapter 5 Abigail Brannigan sat at the top of the stairs and listened to the commotion. There was a spot at the very top of the Brannigan house, three steps down from the little landing outside Abigail's bedroom, where every sound in the house filtered perfectly, if you cared to listen. Abigail certainly did. She had discovered the spot years ago, and used it to keep up with all of the latest household happenings that no one thought she needed to know about. But tonight, Nothing that was being broadcast to her by the house's strange acoustics was really a secret, nor was anyone who was doing the talking thinking of Abigail at all. Jeremy's room was one floor down from Abigail's, and at the far end of the hall, but Abigail heard everything. It had all begun after dinner, when Jeremy had retired to his room to unpack, which in this case meant dumping the contents of the overstuffed backpack he had arrived with in the beanbag chair in the corner of the room. Except the beanbag chair wasn't there any more, and Jeremy had stood for several minutes in confusion, staring at the spot where it had once been. He had spun his head every few moments as if the small room offered many different places where an aging chair that leaked styrofoam beans from three separate burst seams could possibly be hidden. Mom, he had called at last. Where's my chair? There had been no immediate reply. A thought had suddenly seemed to occur to Jeremy, and he had begun opening drawers and cupboards. Where he might have once seen a balled-up mass of long-forgotten clothes, he had found only a few items neatly folded. Where stacks of shabby cardboard boxes had once towered, the original flooring could be seen in places. It was his room, as it had always been, but it was no longer his. It was as if some sort of adult Jeremy had moved into the Brannigan household and someone had forgotten to tell the old Jeremy that his services were no longer required. Mom! He had called again, more plaintive this time. I'm right here, she had said with a smile, still holding a dish towel in one hand and a cup in another. Jeremy had spun on his heels as if shocked. Where's my stuff? he had said, still reeling. "'Do you like it?' Mrs. Brannigan had said, looking around the neat and tidy little room, completely oblivious to the fact that her son clearly did not like it very much at all. "'Where's my stuff?' Jeremy had asked again, quietly. "'Oh, sweetheart,' Mrs. Brannigan had said with a loving smile. "'That chair gave up the ghost years ago.' You wouldn't believe the snowdrifts of styrofoam I found under everything. She had seen the half-open dresser drawers and pulled it open, smiling again at all of the space within. 
I think you had every t-shirt you'd ever worn since you were twelve years old in there, she had said, and more than one of them appeared to have things growing on them. And it occurred to me that maybe the reason you don't come home more often is because there's no room for you in here. There was no room for you because everybody who you've ever been still had great piles of stuff everywhere. The tone in her voice had suggested that she just might have expected applause, which is what had first attracted Abigail's attention and brought her to the top of the stairs. She had been sitting there for four and one-half minutes now, and things had frankly gotten quite a bit worse. "'But,' Jeremy had protested, his voice sounding more panicked, "'My stuff! Where did it go?' "'Oh, honey,' Mrs. Brannigan had said, scolding him gently, "'you have to let some things go. You're a big man now.' "'Okay, yes,' Jeremy had said, fighting to keep a lid on things. "'But the stuff you took out of my room, where did it go? Is it in the basement?' Mrs. Brannigan had sounded puzzled, and perhaps a little bit hurt. "'The basement?' she had said. "'Why would it be in the basement?' And at that very instant, as Abigail's sense of dread well and truly kicked in, her father's voice could be heard, warm and satisfied with itself, as if it was about to fix everything, which he almost certainly thought that he was. Uh, can I just say something here? He began. Everything's fine, Henry, Mrs. Brannigan said. Everything is not fine, Jeremy protested, his voice a little louder than before. Can I just say that this is a tale as old as time? Mr. Brannigan said, as though imparting wisdom. When I was about your age, my mother cleared out some of my stuff as well. She thought it was time, and it probably was. But... She did it without asking me what was important. That's what I'm saying, Jeremy agreed in a loud voice. Henry, Abigail's mother's voice was stern, you are not helping. Ah, but I am, Mr. Brannigan said. I am about to fix everything. You saved my stuff? Jeremy's voice was full of hope. Oh, Henry, Mrs. Brannigan said, you didn't. Yes, and no, Mr. Brannigan said. I agreed with your mother that you'd probably appreciate the work she was doing for you, and I uh, didn't see a lot of value in that clutter, but I did save the good stuff. There was a small pause, and at the top of the stairs, Abigail wondered what was going on. Ta-da! Mr. Brannigan said at last. Perhaps he had gone and returned with something, Abigail thought, or perhaps he had held something out that produced only stunned silence. She had a very bad feeling that it was the latter. What is that? Jeremy's voice was quiet and full of disappointment. Your baseball cards, Mr. Brannigan said proudly. Oh, I was crushed when my mother got rid of mine. I am nothing like your mother, Mrs. Brannigan's voice was positively frosty. Oh, of course not, Mr. Brannigan said hastily, but uh, I organized the cards according to team and then by season within each team. And you can see, Jeremy cut him off abruptly, Dad, 
I don't care about the stupid baseball cards, he said. I care about, where's all my stuff? I don't even know what's gone and what's just somewhere else. And where is all my stuff? Where did it go? Did you throw it out? The things that were unmistakably garbage were thrown out, yes, Mrs. Brannigan said, clearly unhappy with the response to her special project. The rest went to charity. Charity? Where? Jeremy sputtered. I don't know, Mrs. Brannigan said. They come and take it. Who comes and takes it? Jeremy was getting louder. They telephone, Jeremy. Abigail's mother sounded very frustrated. They call and ask you if you have anything to donate for a pickup. And I said yes. And I got to work and did all of this for you. How long ago? Jeremy asked. When did they come? A couple of days ago, Abigail's mother sighed. I don't understand why you're being like this, Jeremy. Those things are just things. They were my things, Jeremy said, probably louder than he meant to. There was a small, shocked silence, and if Abigail had to guess, her mother's eyes were probably giving up on the unequal struggle and filling up with tears. She had often thought that Jeremy was the only person who really had any power over their mother— and Abigail always found it frustrating to watch, because the big jerk had no idea. Turns out, it was even worse to listen to. Those things had an inch of dust on them, Jeremy, she said, trying to hold it together. You didn't use them, or look at them, or anything. And they were crowding you right out of this house. I chose you over them, and I'm not sorry. I am not sorry at all, not even a little bit. Mrs. Brannigan's voice quavered as she finished talking, and everyone could tell that she was actually very sorry indeed. Everyone was quiet. I'm sorry, Mom. Jeremy's voice was much quieter now, but Abigail could still hear every word. I just... I was just surprised. I just... He trailed off. Sorry, Dad he said. I didn't mean what I said about the baseball cards. I'm glad you saved them. Well, uh, yes, Abigail's father said awkwardly. Here you are. Thanks, Jeremy said. I just, I was just surprised, that's all, he said. I'm sorry, Mom. Abigail's mother snuffled, but kept her dignity. Maybe you'll like it better in the morning, she offered. I bet I will, Jeremy said. There was another awkward pause. I guess I'm just going to... I have some reading I should do, Jeremy said at last. Well, we'll let you get to it, Mr. Brannigan said, as much as possible as if nothing had ever happened. Thanks. Jeremy said, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mom. Abigail could hear her parents' footsteps on the stairs, and she knew that they were gone. She waited to hear the small sounds that would mean that Jeremy had taken out his book, or sat down to read, or, or closed the door, or, or anything. And nothing came. 
As far as Abigail could tell from the top of the stairs, he was just standing there, looking at all of the space where his stuff had once been. There was an unfamiliar and unpleasant feeling that burned in the back of Abigail's mind and would not go away. It was not a feeling that she was accustomed to at all, and she liked it even less than she expected she would. Abigail felt sorry for her brother. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Battery, along with my associates, Arnie Kunch... I can introduce myself. Thank you very much. All right. Hi, I'm Arnie Kunchbard. That's it? That's it. And also, do you want me to introduce you, Brad? Well, of course, Mr. Bell. That's your job as host. Thank you, Brad. And I'd like to introduce Brad... Hold it. What? Here's your script. Script? Well, <laughs> you got to know what to say. All right. <clears throat> And introducing Brad Montworth, a salesman, incomparable public relations expert, and, of course, unrivaled attorney at law. No, come on, you know how to say it, Mr. Bell. Unrivaled attorney, attorney at, at law. law. Oh, Mr. Bell, you shouldn't say those things. You make me blush. Can I do my introduction over again? No. We're here for an important reason. Very important. Indeed. If you think you deserve significant financial compensation, call Brad Motworth, attorney, attorney at attorney. law. Oh, boy. At 555 No, 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 no. We're here to remind everybody to take steps to avoid the coronavirus. Yeah, don't catch it. Because there's no one you can sue. Wash your hands thoroughly and keep social distancing. What? Social distancing. One more time. Stay about six feet away from everybody else. Right, very good. Oh, I gotta wash my hands thoroughly. I don't wanna get me this corona. Ooh, keep your distance now. Socially. I wanna keep feeling fine, corona. Never gonna stop getting squirts from my Purell. I'm always gonna buy all the toilet paper that they sell. Bye, 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 bye. bye. Whoa. Whoa. Bye, Corona. Bye, Corona. Don't get no closer, huh? Beat it, huh? Far enough where I can't see your eyes, Corona. An illness history is not for me. Uh-uh. Don't want to try your COVID on for size, Corona. Never gonna touch. Stay away. My epidermis never wants to be close to where that nasty germ is. Bye, 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 bye. Woo. Fly Corona! Fly Corona! Captain Fly Corona! Pumpkin Pie Corona! Now wait a minute! Fly Corona! Goodbye Corona! Good riddance.